These guys are sports lunatics. This is the Sports Lunatics Show. Welcome to another edition of the Sports Lunatics. Who are the Sports Lunatics? Well, we're just two regular guys who love sports history. Hi, I'm Sean Levine in Halifax, Nova Scotia. And I'm Howie Mooney here in Barrie, Ontario. And you are watching or listening to the Sports Lunatics. Please check out thesportslunatics.com and our YouTube channel, Sports Lunatics. Howie, uh, we are in baseball season. As we know, we are approaching the World Series. We have uh, analyzed a lot of previous special moments that we remember. But recently, just in the past week, there's been a special announcement in regards to the Hall of Fame. Now, the Hall of Fame came out with their list for the Contemporary Baseball Era Committee's consideration. And if you're wondering, what is the Baseball Era Committee? It essentially involves anybody who's an umpire, a manager, or an executive. There's a 16-member panel, and they will be conducting a vote, and the vote will be announced on December the 3rd of new Baseball Hall of Fame inductees based off this uh, selection committee. What was fascinating, Howie, is, as you and I discussed, was just some of the talent of the managers that were on this list. There's only one manager on that list that won two consecutive World Series. I'll just put that out there, and that's Cito Gaston. Well, I agree with you, Howie, and it was so nice to see Cito Gaston's name on this list. I truly believe, and, and we're biased here in Canada, we were a big part of it. We followed this team. People forget they were American League East titles in 89, 91. They fell short. They were getting that label, can they win the big one, because they did have powerhouse squads. But then to win back-to-back World Series titles in 92 and 93, we just recently talked about the anniversary of Joe Carter's home run. 30 years have have passed since that uh, World Series championship. Cito took a talented squad. And we've talked about this in hockey, too, where they were, I don't know, missing an ingredient, missing something. He was a player's manager. People loved him. He was such a successful hitting coach as well. People tend to forget that before he became manager. They had Jimmy Williams. Jimmy Williams just was not working out, uh, who took over from Bobby Cox. They brought in Cito. They were 12 and 24 when they when he started, and they were able to capture the division title. You know, they had multiple years of success, but they had to manage a group of egos. There were a lot of big personalities, a lot of egos on those Jays teams in both seasons. And Cito was able to to stir the drink. He was the, the right guy at the right time. It was a long time before we they had back-to-back World Series champions, and Cito was able to do it. This is what I was thinking about when you sent me this topic uh, a couple of days ago. Cito Gaston was a guy who could manage personalities. People talked about the Montreal Canadiens and Scotty Bowman just having to open and close the door. But he had to manage people and he had to manage personalities. And it was the same with Cito Gaston. Jimmy Williams couldn't do it, or Jimmy as I call him, because he only had one M in his name. But 
he he couldn't do it. And as you said, he was 12 and 24 when he was let go. Cito came in, calmed everybody down. And I think the fact, too, that Cito was a very, very good major league ball player as well. P- players could relate to him. He was an excellent hitting coach, as you said. He could turn anybody into a hitter. But he was a very, very good player uh, when he played back in his time. And so I think there was a relatability that Cito Gaston had that, that his predecessors did not. He was at the helm for a while. He was, I think he missed 33 games in the 91 season because of herniated disc issues. Uh, Gene Tennis took over for him. Gene Tennis was his bench coach. And another guy who, who was a very, very relatable player, a relate, relatable coach as well. You know, Cito is a guy that doesn't get enough credit for what he did with a team, as you said, full of personalities and full of egos. The one thing with Cito, you mentioned his playing career, had an 11-year playing career with the Braves, Padres, and Pirates. He managed 12 seasons in Toronto. You know, he won the division titles and then winning the back-to-back World Series championship. Surprising he never got manager of the year, uh, especially with those teams. But again, manager of the year and coach of the year in, in the National Hockey League, it's it usually happens if you take a team that surprises everybody and then vaults it. Very rarely do the great managers and coaches get the manager and coach of the year with great teams. John Cooper with Tampa Bay never won a coach of the year yet. There's so many. There's yeah. so many examples of that. And even some guys on our list who you know, may not have won or should have won more uh, manager of the year titles because of uh, their accomplishments, and we'll get into those as well. Any final thoughts on Cito Gaston being nominated? No, I'm thrilled that he's nominated. I hope that he gets in. I, I, I really do, uh, just because you know we saw him not up close and personal necessarily. We weren't in the room or anything, but you know, being in and around Toronto uh, for any period of time. I mean, I have another thought too about, about Lou Pinella because he's on the list. I lived in Seattle for a couple of years and Pinella was the manager of the Mariners when, when we were there. He was on radio all the time, kind of irascible. He was a really good manager and I became a fan of his when we lived in Seattle. But, you know, when you think back to when he was in Cincinnati and he took that Reds team, which was not the big red machine, at all and uh, won a world series with 19 in 1990 with with that team uh you know I, I i kind of i'm cheering for him as well well i want to get into that because we'll go we'll go to lou next managed 23 seasons with the yankees reds mariners rays and cubs winning yeah winning 1835 games which is good for 17th in the all-time list as you said skippered the reds to the world series title in 1990 Four straight games against the powerhouse Oakland A's team, which nobody expected, especially with the squad. It wasn't really filled with a bunch of superstars. There were a lot of great players on that team, but I would not classify superstar talent by any stretch of the imagination. You were there. American League record 116 victories. He guided his clubs to seven postseason appearances, named manager of the league three times. 95, 2001, 2008. And of course, we, we keep forgetting, Howie, that he was a pretty good player with a great Yankees team as well. 2001, we were there. We were in, in Seattle at that time. Uh, we were there during 9-11. Uh, games got postponed. I had friends coming in from 
from Ontario, uh, and I bought tickets for a Seahawks game uh, and a couple of uh, Mariners games as well. Those games all got postponed, and so I, we wouldn't be able. The guys couldn't fly in anyway because because of nine eleven. But I, I went back to the ticket office for the for the Seahawks, and they said we don't normally uh, take the tickets back, but in your case, we'll make an exception. We understand. Uh, I went to the first game in Seattle after 9-11. They played the Angels. And I went to the final Saturday game where they tied the record. It was against Texas. And it was packed. The place was packed. Alex Rodriguez was playing for Texas. He comes comes up with two out in the ninth inning. And when, they, when Kaz Sasaki threw strike three to him, the place erupted. People, I don't know why or how, but they had Monopoly money and they were throwing it on the field at, at, at uh, Alex Rodriguez. And uh, there were so many of them that did it that I think some radio station must have said, you know, bring, bring Monopoly money and throw it at A-Rod, you know, when, when you see him. The place erupted. It was one of those things. I have an Ichiro bobblehead from that day. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's just, uh, yeah. But Lou Pinella was, was the, kind of the, the straw that stirred that drink. Uh, in in Seattle in 2001, it's a shame they couldn't they couldn't get out of the uh, the uh, divisional series. Well, what I want to bring back real quick and tie in with Cito, Cito, Gaston, the managers we're going to talk about, was very calm. He was not a boisterous individual. Lou Pinella will throw bases. He'll pick up bases. <laughs> he'll throw bases at at people, at umpires. He will argue with umpires. You know, Cito had a different style. He was totally different. That's one of the reasons why I don't think Cito will get in on this ballot, just because of the other, uh, you know, we talked about Lou, the other manager I want to tie in just because of his boisterous personality is Jim Leyland. Yeah. Uh, Jim Leyland managed the, the Pirates, the Marlins, the Rockies, and the Tigers for 22 seasons, amassing 1,769 victories. You know, led the team, the Marlins, 1997 World Series title. His team's qualified for the postseason eight times. He won three league pennants. Manager of the Year award in 1990, 92, and 2006. He's also a runner-up three times. And he managed Team USA to the 2017 World Baseball Classic title. Jim Leyland to me is a no-brainer yeah. to go into the Baseball Hall of Fame. Statistics aside, I have always thought of him as one of the great managers that I've ever seen. When I think back to when I was a kid, you know, there was Sparky Anderson uh, with the, the Reds and and the Tigers, Red Shane Deans with St. Louis and Earl Weaver with with Baltimore and I always looked at those guys as, as the, these greats, you know, these great managers. Jim Leyland is the guy from his era that is the greatest manager, I think. And as you say, it's it's a no-brainer. It's a shoe-in that he should get in. Now, when you get go to these little votes and these little committees, everything's a toss of the coin. But uh, I, I can't see him not being elected. Well, I just go by his titles the teams he was on, to take a team. We just talked about the Marlins were brand new, really. They were only, I think, what, fifth, four or five, fifth year of existence? Yeah. And, and then they win the World Series title. Now, of course, they got dismantled right after. 
but he was a pirate team. He took a young pirate team uh, featuring a guy by the name of Barry Bonds. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you really, if you've seen the video, I think it was from spring training where Leyland just laid into Bonds. And just, it's one of the classic, let's put it this way, make sure the kids are out of the room. But it <laughs> is, he, he just seemed fearless, Howie. He just seemed fearless as a manager. He was the old style smoking, uh, you know, chain smoking manager that you see in the dugout. He was so successful and great at every everywhere he went. During this uh, Astros Rangers League Championship Series that we're that we're watching right now in 2023, Dusty Baker was asked about his pitcher and be, how many pitches, you know, what kind of pitch count will he be on? And Dusty said, pitch count he's on a performance count if he's pitching well i'm going to keep him in there and that's the kind of guy leyland was i i not that he would completely eschew uh analytics i think he would use them as as a kind of a guide but he wouldn't just go by the numbers which drives me freaking crazy when i see managers like when uh kevin cash took out uh, blake snell you know a couple of years ago in the playoffs when he was pitching so well and then when we saw John Schneider take out Jose Barrios so early in in the uh, in the Blue Jays Twins game in the uh, in the opening round this year, analytics is a guide. It's information, but so is what you see. What you see is information as well. What you feel in your gut is information as well. Why can we not use all three of them? Jim Leland, as you said, was fearless that way, uh, just like Dusty Baker is fearless now. What does Dusty Baker have to worry about? He he gets his team to the postseason every year. Uh, Jim Leyland was the same way. He got his team to the postseason every year. Why would he not be confident in everything that he did? Why would he not be fearless in everything that he did? We're running out of time, Howie. Those are great points about Jim Leyland. Let's move on to our final manager, Davey Johnson. And again, I don't know if Davey Johnson would be fourth on, if you rank one to four on this list. Managed 17 seasons for the Mets, Reds, Orioles, Dodgers, and Nationals. Posted 1,372 wins. His winning percentage of 562 ranks 13th all time with at least 10 years of service. He was a really good baseball player as well. Led the Mets. You want to talk about personalities, Howie. 86 Mets to the World Series. He also guided his other teams to five appearances, postseason appearances named the league's manager of the year in 97 and 2012. I first came upon Davey Johnson when he was a second baseman back in the seventies. Um, you were three years old. I think when I, when I first saw Davey Johnson playing on my TV, he was a, a scrappy kind of guy that would run through a wall to make a play. You know, those are the kind of guys that I really loved watching play. And then as a manager, he was kind of the same way. He would figure out ways to win, and he'd just win. He'd just win, as you said. You know, his winning percentage as a manager is one of the top uh, winning percentages of all time. We will uh, mention though the umpires. The umpires were Joe West and Ed Montague, who are very well known in circles. Uh, we just talked about Rick Monday and that home run that broke our hearts uh, for the Expos in a recent episode. Joe West was actually part of that umpiring crew for that National League Championship Series in 1981, worked five wildcard games, eight division series, 10 league championships, and six World Series. Ed Montague, of course, 
also well-known, debuted in 1974. His first postseason assignment was in 79. He had worked seven championship series, seven division series, and six World Series over his uh, illustrious career. Umpires are like referees in hockey, kind of. You know, you don't really know who they are by, by their face. You know who they are when they're on the ice or on the field. Bill White served as president of the National League from uh, 1989 to 94. He was a longtime player and a very successful broadcaster as well. Eight-time All-Star, seven-time Gold Glove Award-winning first baseman. And he presided over the addition of the Marlins and the Rockies into the National League. You know, was a big-time player in the Major League Baseball offices. Great to see Bill White. I I really uh, admired him and his story, just uh, how he became a player, then went into you know, uh, the administrative role and uh, and flourished. I remember him as a broadcaster. I remember him doing a Yankees games, I think it was, uh, back back in the uh, in the day when I was, think I was a teenager and my grandfather would take pick my brother and I up on Sunday mornings and he'd take us to church and, we, and, he, and he purposely went for the fast mass so we could get out of there and get to the golf course. You know, we'd be on the way home and then we'd, we'd sit and have lunch at my grandparents' place and and we'd watch the Yankees game on WWNY uh, in Watertown, and uh, Bill White was was the uh, the color man on those uh, on those broadcasts. And we had just talked about uh, recently with Brooks Robinson passing away. That uh, we talked about the dynasty teams. We talked about seventies baseball. We talked about you know the early seventies Orioles. But then, of course, later you know seventy nine, the made of the World Series. Then the ninety eighty three winning the World Series, and also the great A's dynasty of the 70s. Hank Peters was a big part of all of that success, you know, became the A's general manager in 1965 and really helped build that dynasty. We always talk about Charlie Finley because he was the colorful owner, but Hank Peters had a big hand in acquiring a lot of that talent on those A's teams and then moved over to the Orioles and they became hugely successful in the late 70s, early 80s. I'm working on a piece right now about the 1969 baseball season. I was looking at Twitter yesterday and I saw a, a thing that on this day or whatever it was in 1969, it was from a couple of days ago, Cleon Jones was at, at the plate for the Mets against the Orioles in the World Series. And uh, a ball appeared to hit jones in the foot a pitch from dave mcnally you know he started to walk toward first base and the umpire said come on back the ball rolled toward the mets dugout uh gil hodges was the manager of the mets and jerry kuzman was the pitcher that day and the ball rolled to kuzman and hodges told him rub it on your on your shoe get the shoe polish on there and give it to me and uh hodges took the ball and ran out to to home plate and said look the ball hit him it's got shoe polish on it the umpire looked at it and awarded Cleon Jones first base, assuming that the ball had hit Cleon Jones in the foot. And Earl Weaver came out, of course, and, and he's upset. In the, in the course of writing this piece, I get to the All-Star game, and I look at all these Oakland A's that are on the, uh, on the All-Star, American League All-Star team. Reggie Jackson was leading the, uh, the league at the All-Star break uh, in home runs with 37. 37 home runs at the All-Star break. 
Uh, that's a that's a pretty big number. The numbers back in those days, they were kind of like video game numbers. Denny McLean had won 31 games the year before. Bob Gibson posted a 1.12 ERA in 68 that prompted the uh, prompted the, the the rule makers to lower the mound. It was just an amazing, amazing time in baseball, and it was a time when when the national pastime was still national, if you know what I mean. Like it, it, baseball was bigger than life. When I had to look up Hank Peters. When uh, I saw his name on that list and saw him with that Oakland team, and, and I mean, that, that Oakland team hung with the Minnesota Twins all year long in the standings, falling just short at the end. The Twins uh, took the, the American League West. That was the first year for divisions as well, 69 was. Yeah, that Oakland team was up and coming in 69. Uh, they ended up winning 72, 73, 74, the World Series in those years. And uh, Hank Peters was a part of all those. He had a stint in Cleveland before he went to Baltimore and then went back to be the president of the Cleveland Indians and was a huge part of constructing, you know, those teams in the 90s where they were incredibly successful uh, reaching the World Series for the Cleveland Indians. So, you know, he put his stamp over those 42 years on three organizations. When we think of the 90s, I think in 94 when the Expos were had the best record in baseball and everybody assumed that they would they would win the National League and and face the Yankees in the uh, in the World Series but when you look at the American League Central Cleveland was right at the top and they had a very good record too and there's no there's no telling whether or not they would have been able to beat the Yankees they could have probably beaten the Yankees and faced the uh, the Expos or whatever team came out of the National League in the World Series Absolutely they had a powerhouse led by Albert Bell Yes uh, People forget how great he was in that era, but uh, uh, Hank Peters. To me, there, there's like a wealth of talent in in these eight men that are that are going to be uh, voted on, and because of that, I don't think Cito's going to get in. You, you look at these names, and you just go, "Wow!" Because this, these are. The, the names that I grew up watching and, and that you grew up watching and, and uh, I mean, as players and as, as uh, you know, as, as umpires, uh, they were, they've been around forever. And uh, the, just the legacy that all of them leave, they're all deserving. They're all deserving. All eight of them are deserving. Totally agree with you. I hope all eight get in at some point. I, I know Cito's not going to get in with the, those other three. As soon as I saw the other three managers, I'm like, yeah, no, not right now. Uh, although he's had tremendous accomplishments during his career. In all cases, they all elevated their teams. You know, Seed only had one stop as a manager, which is amazing to me that he didn't get more opportunities. And that could be a whole other subject matter of what, you know, which is too bad. Uh, I think in the other three cases, everywhere they went, every team that they took got better. It's true. You're absolutely right. Howie, we're near the end of the show. Again, let's promote your brand new book, <laughs> More Crazy Days and Wild Nights. You know, I was I was at the post office actually mailing a couple of copies out to people yesterday who um, who messaged me and wanted signed copies. And uh, I was talking with a lady behind the counter, and she's not a sports fan at all, but I was telling her about the some individuals. She says, oh, you wrote a book? Let me see it. You know, she says, I love books. So I was telling her some stories about individual people in the book, uh, the story of Ron Duguay and Cher, and I mean that that usually gets everybody. Uh, the story about Guy Lafleur and Phil Collins, you know that that gets everybody as well. 
you know, all those little stories about different people and uh, the story about Duku Kim and, and uh, the fact that, you know, he had that fight against Boom Boom Mancini in Vegas in 82. He had a pregnant fiance over in Korea. He, he grew up in poverty. His mother was a, was dirt poor. She was a washerwoman and, and he fought his way out of poverty, uh, you know, to, to get to this point with, uh, with this championship fight against Mancini and, and uh, the worst possible outcome occurred. If, if one guy had won and the other guy would have lost, both guys could have kept fighting. The book is More Crazy Days and Wild Nights. Howie, thanks again for another great episode of The Sports Lunatics. Please check us out at thesportslunatics.com and check out the YouTube channel, Sports Lunatics. I'm Sean Levine in Halifax, Nova Scotia. I'm Howie Mooney in Barrie, Ontario. And you've been listening or watching The Sports Lunatics. Have a great sports day.